is it okay to have fun in church? Yeah. All right, because if you don't think so, you're probably going to the wrong church, because I, I, just, I just like to have a little bit of fun. So, so we started this play on, on the Juicy Fruit logo, right, last week. We were talking about Juicy Fruit Christians. You remember last week if you were here? I had a little contest that who could remember the Juicy Fruit jingle, and only two people could remember part of it, not all of it, and one of them didn't come today, probably knew I was going to put her on the spot today, right? But, so we sang the Juicy Fruit jingle, and it was a lot of fun, and we're talking about being Juicy Fruit Christian, amen? My mouth's watering thinking about Juicy Fruit right now. So I told you you needed to brush up on your Juicy Fruit facts, because before we start the sermon, I want to give away a couple of packs of Juicy Fruit gum. Okay, so that's how we do it here sometimes. Can anybody tell me which number or which, how, how should I, how, how, do you, how do you say this question? In order of selling the most gum, where does Juicy Fruit fall? Is it like number three, two, or one? Andrew? No, no. Who said one? Did you say one? Somebody back here. I heard a guy voice. Who said one over here? You did? Oh, you get a piece of that, Mike, because I hit you with it. Do you know who it's number one with? Which group of people? Well, of course, that's the maker, but what group of people? What, what type of people? Old people. Actually, people with teeth. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, five to 12 years old, all right? Those are the, 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 the people who buy the most of these gums. Do you know how many pieces of gum are chewed every week? Who can tell me how many pieces of gum are chewed every single week? And. 26,000, just by you, <laughs> a million, much higher, come on, somebody, billions, not, not quite, what would you say, three and a, seven million, we're getting closer, ten, nine million, who said eight million, eight point nine million, eight point nine one million pieces of this stuff chewed every week. There you go. My mom doesn't like it, or right, I gave it to her because she said the closest one first. Okay, this is for this. I didn't even know they made this. Someone brought this to me. This is like, you remember Hubba Bubba? This is like Hubba Bubba style in Juicy Fruit, all right? All right, you got to get this one right, though. What year was Juicy Fruit introduced? You guys aren't even in the right century. What'd you say? 1898, a little earlier than that even. You got the closest there, Miss. 1893. 1893. Wow. I didn't do the math, but if you 8.9 million pieces of gum chewed every week since 1893, I wish I would have got a piece of that pie. Amen. Right? Yeah. 1893, I believe Wrigley Spearmint Gum was the first. Would you turn that on medium or hot or, or off because it's going to click like that, and that will drive me crazy. But medium, I think, takes the buzz out of it, so thank you. Ah, I'm just in my OCD there. I'd be like. <laughs> All right, that was our fun for today. We're not going to do the Juicy Fruit Jingle. 
Study up on your juicy fruit. I don't even know what I'm going to bring next week. There's not, not much facts left, okay? Uh, so we'll, we'll give a few more packs away next week. We'll close the sermon series out next week. Um, got some things in store for Mother's Day for you that I'm excited about. And then if you, if you remember uh, last year around this time, we had New Life Drama Company with us. They'll be back in May as well. So uh, these kids are amazing people who love Jesus. They travel the country. Uh, doing skits and plays and, and humor, and they're just a lot of fun. So they'll be joining us in a few weeks as well. Uh, so it's going to be a good time, amen? Well, let's, let's turn our attention now to the Word of God. We've had our fun, and I just want to get focused in on what the Holy Spirit's given me for us this morning. Uh, Lord, bless us today. Your Word is such a blessing to our lives, especially when we begin to get understanding of it and it, it is so powerful and able to transform and soften our hearts and transform our lives and make us more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the end goal as we walk and journey through this life. We know the ultimate goal is to spend eternity with you. We got that pretty well locked up. But while I'm here, Lord, I just want to be more like you. In your name I pray. Amen. So Galatians chapter 5, turn to your Bibles there. We're going to read this out of the NLT. and. I explained why last week, so just bear with me. If it's not your translation, they're all pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Got one, yes. Okay, well, you know. Some of you that are King James only, I'm sorry. I have a hard time. I just, I can't, I can't. I have a hard time reading. I can read King James to myself, but I have a hard time reading it out loud. As you guys know, if you've been here long enough, you know I, I don't even talk very well most of the time, right? So this is in the New, uh, New Living Translation, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of juicy fruit. Okay, I added juicy. This kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Have you ever felt alone? Maybe in a room full of people? Have you ever felt like nobody even cared about you? I think we all have. I'm an only child. I grew up feeling alone a lot of times. And I think because of that, my personality is a lot of times I prefer to be alone. But when I'm in a room full of people at times, sometimes I still feel like I'm alone, like I'm the only guy in the room. Like nobody really cares about what I'm walking through. Nobody really cares what my life story is. Nobody really cares where I'm heading, and I think we feel like that at times, and, and, and I'll tell you the last place in the world that we should feel like that is in this room. Now, there are rooms that I feel like that, and it's okay to feel like that, because I don't want no part of it, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm in the world, but I'm no longer of the world, so if I walk into a room of a worldly situation, I don't even want to be part of the room, but when I come to church, I don't want to be a recluse. I don't want to be a loner. I don't want to feel like nobody cares. I want to know that people care. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do for one another. Let each other know that we care. 
sometimes in life, I think it's just to be, it's easier to be a loner than to try to build relationships with other people. But there's a problem with that. There's a problem with trying to be a loner, trying to, to be an island all to myself, trying to make this thing happen in my own power, my own agenda, my own way, my own understanding. How many of you get in trouble over that one? Mike, Mike talked about that a little bit this morning. I want to do it my way. <laughs> and a lot of times we get hurt when that happens, right? People living in, a, in isolation, this is true, these, these are factual. They lose perspective on life. They develop a fear of intimacy. They become selfish. And they actually have poor health in people who are in community. It's true. Lots of studies done over the years. So why would we want to live that way? Why, why, why does being alone cause all these things in our life? I'll, I'll tell you why. Because God didn't make us to be alone. He created us for relationship. So last week we talked about tearing down joy killers. Because there's a lot of things that try to steal our joy. Yeah, And it's been something we've been talking a lot about here because I see that the enemy is after our joy. This week, I want to talk about building up community because it's powerful and it's effective and it'll change your life. Being a juicy fruit Christian is hard work. <laughs> if you think being a Christian is easy, you haven't been one very long. Or you're not really one at all. Yeah, we step on toes. We do. I can't, I can't judge that for you. You have, to, you have to make that choice yourself. Nailing our sinful passions and desires to the cross, as our scripture said, is not easy. Spirit's willing. Flesh is weak. But... Doing that is what every one of us should strive for, to nail our old person, our old desires, our old, our old fleshy ways, our old understanding to the cross. Leave it there. <laughs> A lot of us put our step up, stuff up there on the cross, and then we start praying for our resurrection. <laughs> Well, I don't know what else you're doing because I see a lot of you pick it back up, take it back off the cross. I'll hold on to this for a while. It's what I'm comfortable with. It's what I know. It's how I was raised. It's, it's what I see the church doing. Ooh. I'm not here to beat up the church today, but the church is missing it. Not grapevine. You guys are awesome. Talk about those guys out there. I think we're... There is one way that Jesus chose for us to show our fruit to the world. Okay, we're going to shift gears here. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if, what? You love one another. All this will know that you are juicy fruit Christians if you express love to each other. No, not just expressions of love. He didn't say that. He didn't even say show love. Didn't even say, tell me I love you. Mike, I love you. I appreciate you. But saying that to him isn't really love, is it? Demonstrating love is what this text means. Randy Frazee says this. He's a, he's a pastor and an author, fastest growing church in America. Or at least it was at one time. The development of meaningful relationships where every member carries a significant sense of belonging is central to what it means to be the church. This is a God-ordained gathering of people that is so strong that even the gates of hell will not overcome it. There's something powerful about community. There's something powerful about building each other up and communing together and loving one another and serving with each other. I'm a pretty strong guy. I work out a lot. I can lift a little bit of weight. But, man, if I get Mike Long next to me and Dean, Dave, Johnny, Andrew, if I get a few guys along, Pastor Tiny, put him in the front. Where did you get that name? You have to tell me the story later. Tiny, whatever. If we link arms, we're pretty much a uh, we're pretty much a wall that's almost impenetrable. Physically, spiritually, can't touch this. Uh, uh. Haven't done that in a while, huh? <laughs> Haven't done that in a while. That felt good. That felt good. Okay, all right. All right, all right. I am definitely going to get me some parachute pants one day. And I'm going sh- I'm to I'm show up here. I'm going to put a weave mullet in. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Bailey Ray Cyrus all over again. Ronnie Ray Cyrus, there you go. I don't know why we're going that direction. Some of you needed a good laugh this morning. But listen, community is powerful. Being unified means having the ability to dream big and accomplish much for the kingdom of God. Listen, God brought me and my wife and our family and, and others but to, to Las Vegas, and he gave me a vision. He started showing me pictures of what Grapevine Fellowship could be like, what, what ministry in Las Vegas could be like. And that thing began to unfold, not in anything that I've done, but in everything that you've brought to the table. See, my vision isn't fulfilled in me or my calling or that I'm super spiritual and extra cool and awesomely good looking. It's fulfilled in you and communing with you and bringing people in that are smarter than me. And they're very easy to find. I'll let you know that right now. Don't have to look far. We can dream big and we can accomplish much for the kingdom of God when we work together. I can do some stuff on my own. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Man, I can can go toe-to-toe with the enemy for a round or two. You know what I'm saying? 
I, I can do some damage. I can lay hands on the sick and I can see them recover. There's a lot of things that I can do that my Bible tells me that I can do as an individual, as a juicy fruit Christian. But man, when we come together, we begin to serve the Lord together, loving one another, genuinely caring, yeah, not beating each other up, but genuinely caring about one another. Uh, can somebody say revival? But developing community is hard, okay? It involves taking risks. It means you have to put yourself out there. It means you have to extend yourself. It means you have to become vulnerable to others. And a lot of us don't want to do that. I'd just rather be alone. You don't need to know the deep, dark secrets. We have CR. Yeah, for too late. Give me a microphone and I'll tell you everything. I don't know what, I don't know what that's about. But. The community does. They trust. They love. We're able to... Love one another. So what happens when community hurts? After all, we are people, right? People still make mistakes, I think. Christian people still make mistakes. Yeah. So what, what do we do when community hurts? How, how do we build community? I'm glad you asked. That's where we're going to get into the bulletin here. Number one, you're not going to like this one. I don't like this one, and I had to preach it to you. We have to apply patience. Patience. We must apply patience in order to build community. We're so quick-triggered sometimes. Look at what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. But God had mercy on me so that Jesus... Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I don't know about you, but Jesus showed supremely... Ah, that's a weird way of saying it. He showed a lot of patience with me. <laughs> when... Wooing me into the kingdom. You know that you are the bride of Christ. You know that Jesus courted you. That's why you're here today. He wooed you. You could deny it all you want to, but he came after you. <laughs> when I first met Pastor Carrie, she worked at the mall. I was at the mall a lot. Some people call it stalking. I don't call it that. <laughs> I like to shop, and I really do. Hung out of things, remembered a lot. Don't remember buying anything there. <laughs> That's where she worked. Jesus stalked you. He wooed you, and he had patience in doing it. See, he looked for the right moment. He looked for the right opportunity. He looked for the right moment when you did stupid and it broke down your barriers, your walls, your ego, your pride. And he called you in to the kingdom. 
Are you glad about that? Here's a great definition of patience. Patience is the ability to take a great deal of punishment. It's not called it's true. It's true. Without losing our temper, without becoming bitter, and without taking revenge. That's patience. Don't tell me you have patience unless you can take a little bit of punishment without becoming bitter, resentful, angry, revengeful. Think about it. 1 Corinthians, the love chapter. Chapter 13. Love is patient. Love one another. I need to be patient with you. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And we talked about this one last week. It keeps no record of wrongs. We're not making a list of everything you've done to me. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never what? It never fails. Love will never fail you. Loving people will never fail you. I get asked a lot, how how do you do it, Pastor Ron? How do you do do that? Just try to love people because it's never failed me yet. Oh, I've been hurt. I've been accused, stepped on. I talked about this a little bit last week. No big deal. But you just keep loving people, David. Just keep loving them. In spite of it. That's what Jesus did for you and me. In short, we need self-control. Nobody wants me to preach this, do they? We can't make snap judgments. We, we, we can't have a short fuse. We need to get all the facts before we come to a conclusion. We need to become lawyers. <laughs> Listen to this. For unity to be real, it must stand the severest strain without breaking. Otherwise, it's not unity. If it can't stand some pressure, if it can't stand a little strain, don't call it unity. Call it an acquaintance. Call it what it is. I go to church with that guy. See him once a week. No, unity is deeper than that. All right, here's number two. Otherwise, we're never going to get done today. (laughs) That was actually my longest point. We must apply kindness. So we got to apply patience, and we have to apply kindness. Kindness, here's the definition. It's the state of being that includes loving affection, sympathy, friendliness, pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. Sound kind of familiar. Kindness is a quality shown in the way a person speaks and acts. It's more of a decision than an emotional feeling. Kindness doesn't have anything to do with the way you feel. Kindness is the decision that you make. I'm going to be kind in this situation. I'm going to be gentle. 
So you don't feel kind, you decide to be kind. That's the only way we can build up community, is being kind, being gentle with one another, knowing that, hey, man, we're all from different places. You haven't walked a mile on my shoes. I mean, not many of you have a size foot eight anyway, eight foot anyway. <laughs> Little feet, but I've been standing on for 50 years, they work. Here's a great text to help you with this. Proverbs 25, verse 21 through 23. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head. Yeah, you like that part. And the Lord will reward you. The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. So if we're not kind, if, we're, if our tongue is loose, it's not going to bring forth anything but an angry countenance. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who what? Especially to those of us that are in this room together. Do good to everybody, Paul said. Do good wherever you can. Everybody needs to be treated good with kindness. Especially here. Especially in this room. Here's the next one, and I referred to this already. We must apply gentleness. This means being sensitive to others. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. With forgiveness, there, there must be gentleness, or it's not forgiveness at all. I forgive you, Ron! <laughs> Didn't feel very forgiving, did it? That's how some of us... Have- I forgave him, Pastor. I just don't talk to him. I don't look at him. When they're coming in the room, I go the other way. Whoa. No, you haven't forgiven them. You've tolerated them. We talked a lot about forgiveness last week. Where gentleness kind of ties into it. But none of us deserve the forgiveness that God gives us each day, do we? But over and over and over, he forgives us. I'm glad about that. Because if I got what I deserved, I would have got a ticket last week on my way to church. I know, right? What? It's hard to do 35 in a Hemi. I'm working on it. I really am. I set the cruise control and everything because I'm trying to be, I am. I'm I'm working on it. Oh, I'm the only guy in the room, huh? I'm the only guy admitting it in the room. He was like this. And I looked down and it said 45. I, was like, I really wasn't trying to do 45. I'm not trying to make You're my church. You know I'd be honest with you. Because I know it was bonanza. There's like cops everywhere. 
And I said, Lord, what do I tell the church this morning if I get this ticket? He didn't come get me, thank you, Jesus. So. so this week we set the cruise control, and I saw like three or four cops, you know. Thanks, Stuart. There's none there? Thanks for the heads up, bro. Oh, maybe I'll just try, maybe I'll just try driving the speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that over there? He said I could work it off at the food bank. Do my community service hours. Thank you, Pastor Tony. You would accept me? Forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. That's what forgiveness is, giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Write that down somewhere. Put it somewhere where you can refer to that because it's important for us to remember. It doesn't mean we become a doormat. It doesn't mean that we, that we can be a whipping post. We're gentle but stern, right? Yes. Forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you Oh, wait, excuse me. Well, that's, yeah, for hurting me, yeah. Giving up the right to hurt you for, hurting, for you hurting me. So, yeah, however you want to write that down. Did I put that up there? Oh, yeah, there it is right there. I couldn't remember if I gave that to you. Drew, you're good. We, we have to be careful about taking on an attitude of anger or malice or gossip because we don't want to be like the world anymore, do we? We've been separated from the world. This, is the whole, this whole series is, is about being, I know I'm having fun with this, but being, having a, being a juicy fruit Christian, right? It, this whole series really is about, is about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. Remember last week, if He's controlling you, the Holy Spirit is controlling you. Look at, look at our opening verse again. I've got to go back. means I have to go back. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in you. We need to give him control. So, so let me give you this next verse. What is it, Andrew, so I can find my place here? Ephesians chapter 4. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of re- redemption. Well, here's another list quite similar to ours. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. When are we going to understand we've been forgiven much? I've been forgiven more than I deserve. I've been let off the hook too many times. I deserved this ticket last week. The cop had me. I mean, we all left the red light at the same time, but I'm in the bright red truck. Now, I wasn't flying by everybody. We were all driving the same speed, but I had everybody by about that much. I make sure of that. I'm kidding. In the bright red truck with a Hemi. I'm like, I'm like, this guy, I know he wants me. Did the Holy Spirit let me off the hook? Probably. I'm going to give him credit for it. We should be different because we're sealed in the Holy Spirit. When we ask Jesus into our heart, we made a decision not to be like we used to. 
That was the decision you made. If I led you in the prayer, it probably went something like, forgive me for my sins, help me not to do them again. But we decided to follow and become more like him. Patience, kindness, and gentleness, the three things we just talked about, help us to bring the unity into the word community. And we develop strong biblical community. So let me give you these five things real, real quick, okay? Five characteristics of biblical community. Number one, intentional unity. We have to be intentional about it. We, we choose to make our similarities more important than our differences. If we focus on the similarities, how many people are, are in Christ? How many of you have given your life to Jesus Christ? There's, a, there's something that we have in common right there. We can focus on those. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I was like, well, we're going to have to have an altar call right now, man. You're on my leadership team too. What's up? <laughs> we practice grace and we offer forgiveness, family. Here's the second thing. Right priorities. We look for opportunities to meet needs and then we meet them. That's the right priority. We serve one another in humility and with excellence. It's got to take place here before it will ever be witnessed out there. Here's the letter C. Faithful gathering. You know, Acts 2.46 told us that they came together daily. That's just not on Sunday morning. The early church came together. They understood what unity was about. They, they broke bread together frequently. We gather together regularly for worship and for fellowship. But we need to come together also outside of this environment. Right? Many of us are going to the Laughter for All next Sunday night. I hope you can come. It's free. Laughterforall.org. Print your ticket and just show up. It's going to be a blast. That's fellowshipping. That's building community. This guy's actually funner than me, believe it or not. No, maybe not. Here's the, here's the letter D. Grateful and generous attitude. We know everything comes from the Lord, right? Everything. So we share and we give freely with each other without expecting anything. The early church, the Bible says that they sold everything that they had. They brought it in so that everybody could have the same amount of everything. I'm asking you to do that. Why? Because you guys beat me up. But it's a heart thing. There's something powerful about spending time together and, and being generous towards one another. We believe that giving and sharing is an act of worship. We give because what? Christ gave first. And then here's the last one. Winning influence. We become attractive to people outside of our fellowship when they see us doing life together. Remember how we started this, feeling alone? I'll tell you how to win our city. Address the aloneness of the people that are out there. You remember that void that Christ filled in your life? Remember that hole in your heart? That place that you tried to fill with drugs and alcohol and promiscuous activities, the loneliness, the void. 
gets filled by Jesus. And if we address our community, we'll have influence over them. If we fill that void for them, hey, we do it at the food bank through food. We know food is only a, a tool to the heart. That's all it is. It's a tool to the heart. People outside, they begin to have a desire to have what we have. When they see us really loving one another, the world's looking for love. They're just looking for it in the wrong places like we were. Would you stand with me? Maybe you're here this morning and you feel that way. You feel alone. You're in a room full of about 80 people right now and you feel alone. You go to the bar, you go hang out with friends, you go wherever it is you go, casinos, and you still feel alone. And you've never filled that empty place of your heart with the only thing that can take that loneliness from you. His name's Jesus. You're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to make a change. I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of trying to find love in, in all these different areas that I've never been able to find it. And that's you. And you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand real high so I can see it? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody? Anybody over here? Don't be ashamed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll give you another minute. Remember, he was patient with you. And some of you are here because it's an appreciation banquet, and I've already saw a couple of those hands go up. I'm so happy about that. Some of you are here because somebody invited you, but you got to remember Unless the Spirit of God drew you here today. So you're not here for food. You get fed in a minute. But you're here because Jesus loves you. And he died for you. So for all those who raise their hand, we're going to say this prayer together as a family because we're in community. Praise God. Hands are still kind of slipping up. I don't necessarily have to see your hand for you to get saved today. Isn't that a good thing? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe this prayer you're about to pray in your heart, you are saved. So pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Fill the hole in my heart with your love. I accept your free gift. I choose to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now let's celebrate him. Come on, let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Glory to you, Lord.